This is Peter Grant, a reporter with the Wall Street Journal. I'm leaving my house to do my latest walk around of the retailers in my area. Over the past 10 months, our colleague Peter Grant has been visiting the main retail area in his neighborhood, Fifth Avenue in Park Slope, Brooklyn. He's been going there to get groceries and shop, but also to follow the small businesses in the area as they deal with an existential crisis, the pandemic. I have been living in this neighborhood for 20 years. I raised my children in this neighborhood, and I really came to love it. I couldn't think of any place in the world I would rather live. It was vacant, it was empty, and it was scary. Nobody knew if that was ever going to come back again. When New York City went into lockdown in March, businesses on Fifth Ave that weren't deemed essential had to close. And things weren't looking good. Business almost went to zero. So, big problem for a merchant, zero revenue. And then on the expense side, their landlords were expecting them to keep paying rent. I talked to numerous business owners, and they were saying, how am I supposed to do this? Peter stayed in touch with as many business owners as he could over the past 10 months and tracked which ones were able to hold on. And eventually, he started to track another surprising phenomenon. New businesses were popping up. I'd be walking up and down Fifth Avenue all the time, and there'd be a sign in the window of a business that was coming, or there'd be permits in the window saying that there's a construction permit and they're going to be opening a new establishment. And that's when we began to think, this has got to be a story. Who opens a business in the middle of a pandemic? And the answer is actually quite a lot of people. So at this point, there have been almost an equal number of openings to closings. And what is that number? Well, actually, the number of openings currently exceeds the number of closings. There have been about 40 openings and 34 closings. That's remarkable. It's very surprising, yes. And it was really fascinating to kind of delve down into the whys. And when I interviewed the different business owners, one of my questions invariably was, are you some kind of an optimist? I mean, what are you seeing that the rest of us aren't? Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, January 22nd. Coming up on the show, one reporter talks to four small business owners who, in the middle of a pandemic, have decided now is the time to open their doors. This episode is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at mercury.com.
walking down Fifth Avenue on my way to an interview with Jennifer Ocampo. Figure out where this place is. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hi. Good, good. So, so I'm gonna sit down and take my coat off. Yeah, um, if that works. Make yourself yeah. comfortable. And, this is uh, your home. It's Casita. <laughs> Casita. That's the name that Jennifer Ocampo and her fiancé, John Castanis, came up with a few years ago, if one day they opened a restaurant. At that point, it was all theoretical. Jennifer was working in fashion and John in finance. Yeah, so we were in Miami one night, and we were having dinner. And um, I said, wow, imagine like we could bring the two worlds together, the Latin style of her background and the Greek style of mine, and kind of create this experience where you go and can have a glass of wine and have some feta cheese and some cheese pies and also bring some croquetas in and some beef empanadas and kind of create this kind of two worlds coming together. And we're like, yeah, that's great. And, you know, you, you talk about things, but things don't really happen. But when COVID hit, Jennifer got laid off. She had a great job in the fashion business, but was laid off when the pandemic hit. And there are simply no jobs out there. So she's always had a dream of starting her own business. She decided, why not give it a try? Like, you go on LinkedIn and you go on all these job sites and you think that there's so much, like, available. And there's not. (laughs) And I hadn't had any callbacks and I have an extensive background, but I just wasn't getting anything. And when this opportunity came up, you know, I was just like, let's do the damn thing. Didn't you look at each other and say, is this, you know... Are we out of our minds for starting a business? You did. <laughs> no, you didn't. He did it. I told her from day one, either we're going to run away from the fire or we're going to go right into it. What do we have to lose? The saying that goes, when one door closes, another door opens. And um, that didn't work for me. It didn't happen. I was looking everywhere, sending my resume out. Nothing was happening. Um, so we built the damn door. <laughs> the conversation Peter had with the owners of Casita was echoed by other newly minted business owners who framed the pandemic as an opportunity, either to open a new business or expand an existing one. That's what Shadi Witte did. Shadi is a third-generation grocery store owner in Brooklyn. His family has several franchises of a chain called Food Town. We've been in the business from my father, my grandfather. So we've been in the business for about 60 years. From my grandfather started in 1967. My father then started another one in 1983, and now this is my first one in 2020. So it's been on generation to generation. Last spring, Shadi was managing one of his family's stores in another Brooklyn neighborhood. When COVID happened, we were so overwhelmed. We lost two employees, God bless their souls. We lost one that was a little bit older, and we lost another guy that I guess he had an illness already in it, and he got sick from it and he died too. They're both around the ages of 59 to 60 years old. One day, Shadi heard that there was a grocery store closing down on Fifth Avenue. So he went to check out the space and loved it. But before signing a lease, he had to get his father on board. My father was actually in the hospital with COVID too. You know, my uncle also was on a ventilator, which was his partner in the other store on Vanderbilt Avenue. And it was very hectic. Two employees, like I told you, was gone. And uh, after this all happened, we realized that, listen, hey, this business, there's a great advantage in growth, especially due to COVID. I was like, hey, look at the location. And this opportunity is something I couldn't let go of, you know? And you got a good deal on rent. And we we, we got a good deal on rent. 
thank God. It's family owned and operated, so there's a lot of families eating from this one supermarket. So I, I figured we expand, that way it'll never run out to feed more families to come. I would say of all the small businesses that I wrote about that started up along Fifth Avenue during the pandemic, there was more traffic at Shetty's grocery store than just about any other. And the reason for that says something about the kinds of small businesses that are going to survive during the pandemic and the ones that aren't. The ones that are going to survive are the ones that sell necessities, groceries, drugs, household items that you need on a day-to-day basis. But along Fifth Ave, many of the stores don't sell daily necessities. There are hair salons, clothing boutiques, and gift shops. And those are having a harder time. That's after the break. How well do we know the people we work with every day? We share lunches, jokes, and deadlines. But are we aware of the unseen struggles we often face silently? Stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or feeling misunderstood at work. Through insight, awareness, and empathy, we can start to better see the issues our coworkers are dealing with, and that can make us and our companies healthier too. Join Holly Robinson Pete and her guests on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, I'm... uh... I'm at the Medusa Salon. I'm going to go in and interview uh, Kim Prager. Hi, Kim. Hi, how are you? Good, good. Okay. Nice to see, see you. temperature? Yeah, there you go. Make sure you're COVID-free, hopefully. Yes, exactly. So how, well, how am I doing? What, okay. You're okay, good. Kim Prager has owned a hair salon in the neighborhood since 1998. The rent had been going up for years, and I feel like... Quite a few years ago, the rent had gotten too high. Right. Where I had kept going in there and saying, I can't afford this rent anymore. And she would say, well, I'm not going to raise it, but I can't lower it. Right. So I'd come up with the money all the time. But once the pandemic hit, it really, like, there was no other option. During the New York shutdown, Kim had to close her salon for three months. So during that time, she had no customers. And when she was able to open back up, there weren't enough clients to justify the rent. After three weeks, I could see it. And it wasn't just one week of it being slow or it's the summer. Like the predictable things that you would see in the past. It just never came back to where it was. Never. So Kim started scouting for a new location. In between clients, I was like, I'm just going to walk down to Fifth Avenue. And I started Googling hair salons on Fifth Avenue. Because I felt like if I found something that was closed, it would have the piping for the sinks and the wiring, which is for the hair dryers. Right. It was cheaper to get in here. Right. Yeah, the rent was here is, is half, what? $4,200. Right. Month. And wow. it's the same square footage. And how, how have things been going since then? It's quiet. It's really quiet. It's still quiet. quiet. Yeah. 
you know, today I have two clients coming in. For the entire day? Yeah, and the phone's not ringing. Like, the phone doesn't ring that often, and when it does, most of the time it's spam. And you think that that's probably because uh, people are doing kind of what I'm doing, which is just not yes. getting hurt. I think it's a combination. I think some people are just like they're doing Zoom work. So they're not as, like they'll, they'll get to a point where like, wow, I look like a mess. I need to fix myself up. But they're not on top of it, like every six weeks getting a haircut or getting their color done. You must see people walking back and forth yes. and, and think, come in here, yes. your hair looks, you know, <laughs> boy, I could make you look so much better. You have <laughs> roots, don't you want to fix that? Yeah. <laughs> Talking to Kim Prager made me realize that staying alive is still a major struggle for many of the businesses along Fifth Avenue. She did everything right, but the business hasn't materialized. People are still afraid and people don't need the kind of haircuts and beauty treatments that they used to when they were working and going out. So for all that she's done right, she looked me in the eye and said, she doesn't know if she's gonna be able to make it. I'm in a panic state about it a bit because it's like, I paid rent up front before I moved in. So I haven't had to come, like I paid it in advance. Plus I got two months build out time. We break even not paying rent. And now we're trying to get the forgiveness because I did get a PPP loan, which you, I went through fast. Right. And so I'm trying to do loan forgiveness for that. And now they said that they are offering more loans, which I don't know if I can get that. That could save me if I yeah. get more loans and get through the next few months. Because I feel like even with this vaccine, until it's like spring, maybe. Like we have a few months to get through until I really think that there's going to be a change. Yeah. Kim Prager is holding on, trying to keep this new version of her 23-year-old salon going. And a few blocks away, Dwayne Harris is starting fresh. He and his wife recently opened Stella's, a Caribbean restaurant. He had worked in the restaurant industry for two decades, most recently at one in Manhattan. Shout out a cook, line cook, worked my way up to the head chef there. Right. I've been there for about 15 years. So, um, well verse in the business kind of was in the everyday managing doing it just about everything there and um 15 years in i was kind of like okay i i I can't do this anymore so i kind of up and i quit right i left i left i left the job uh didn't want to go work for anybody else right Not wanting to have a boss is a pretty powerful driver when it comes to setting up a small business. But when COVID hit, there was a new reason why he wanted to strike out on his own. He lives with his mother, and he realized if he's his own boss, he would have more control over whether he got sick and whether or not he got his mom sick. So Dwayne spent the first few months of the pandemic running a catering business out of his apartment, cooking Caribbean food. And that went pretty well. I realized... Hmm, orders are actually coming in. People want catering, people are ordering, and by this time, the kitchen that I used to work out of, they're closed, so I was like doing it out of my house. And I'm like, all right, I'm getting bigger caterings and I can't handle it in my house. So we decided that, okay, we had to find a spot. We don't have a lot of money. We wanted someplace that was a restaurant before. Right, right, yeah. So that was kind of, the moment 
we kind of like said, let's do it. My wife went on Craigslist, Craigslist and mm -hmm. found this place. On Craigslist? Craigslist of all the places. Mm -hmm. It was just a restaurant for sale. It, kind of this thing. was like renting a fully equipped restaurant. But none of, neither of you were saying this is crazy, you know, this is a little bit crazy. It, it, let me tell you why we weren't saying this is a little bit crazy. Because caterings were coming in. And then when we heard the rent here, we were like, okay, if I do, I did the math in my head, like, okay, if they keep coming in like this, at least we'll be able to pay our rent. <laughs> if, if the catering business keep coming, coming in, in, right, because we were getting orders from catering and too much from my house, as I said, you know. So we're like, okay. But by then too, what I realized with most of my friends and people that I spoke to, they kind of wanted to go back to normal a little bit. They wanted to go somewhere to eat. Uh, they wanted if I could fix my backyard where it felt a little safe for them. The partitions, the stuff, they would now come. And we kind of did that and the neighborhood been good. Yeah. So far they've been good, they've been coming. Um, he seems to have this entrepreneurial creativity. If demand is out there for catering, he caters. If people want tables, he sets up tables. For me, honestly, it was just, COVID was an eye-opener for me. Uh, and I think for a lot of people, and I just know I, I kind of put my, my whole, I want to say my life in the hands of somebody else. Like right. my boss uh, would call and say, don't come to work. Yeah. I just couldn't handle that anymore. Yeah. So I like, say COVID should hit bad. Let's say it's, it comes back right now. Again. I yeah. know now I can at least do what he did. He was doing takeouts and stuff like, I can do takeout just the same. You know, there will still be money coming into me and my family. So looking back at your reporting over these 10 months, what has this project taught you about entrepreneurship? Well, one of the things it taught me about entrepreneurship is that when people are in situations where their back is to the wall, they can't get a job, they have to protect their loved ones, they need money to survive, that's when those little kernel of ideas that they've been carrying with them throughout their life about starting a small business, they bubble to the surface and they say, why not? Let's do it. And I'm hoping that a lot of them look back at this moment 10 years from now and they won't be thankful for the pandemic, but they'll certainly be thankful for the decisions they made during it. And after following businesses on Fifth Avenue in your neighborhood for 10 months, are you going to keep going? We're going to keep following Fifth Avenue until the pandemic is in the rearview mirror. As we wrote about Fifth Avenue, we took all these different snapshots through time. At the very beginning, you had the owners not knowing what hit them and struggling desperately to stay alive. Then you had the various small businesses coming up with creative ways to keep cash coming in the door. The next snapshot was of them fighting with their landlords, trying to get cuts in rent, because if they didn't get that, they weren't going to survive. So, of course, we're going to keep following this because there are a lot of chapters still to be written. And we're going to keep writing those chapters until the one where 
the virus is behind us and all the businesses are celebrating with big crowds of people. That's all for today, Friday, January 22nd. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knutson and me, Kate Leinbaugh. The show is produced by Katherine Brewer, Gerard Cole, Pia Gadkari, Annie Minot, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Annie Rose Strasser, and Rob Zipko. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner and Nathan Singapak. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Peter Leonard, Emma Munger, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.